Oh, here we go. <laughs> Well, let's uh, do a, a short prayer for this talk um, so we can make sure the Holy Spirit is, he's already present. You guys are awesome, but at the same time, um, maybe a little help for me. So in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We thank you, Jesus, for the blessing of giving your life for us, for dying on the cross, saving us from our sins, and just bringing us here today and giving us another day of life. And Thank you, God the Father, for all you've done through these deacons and their wives and their ministry. We pray that your hand would be upon them at all times, that they would do your most holy will. Holy Spirit, be with us. Be with our church. Um, be with our Pope and the bishops and our individual parishes so that we can uh, light a fire and make our church on fire for your love and that souls will be saved. We give you, Almighty God, such great thanks for the Supreme Court decision, amen, amen. <laughs> and the blessing of saving little children, babies, and generations that will, um, God willing, we can turn it around our country and uh, make it uh, holy again and, and honor and, and praise to you. And Our Lady be with us this evening, everything through you, totus to us, all is yours, to your Son Jesus as we pray. <clears throat> Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was a good one. Okay, feel free to go to the restroom, get something to eat. If you are one of these people like my fourth son that uh, can't sit still for a while, feel free. I mean, you know, you're, you're in the parish, you're giving homilies, you know those people that get antsy. So if you're one of those people and you need to get up and move around, feel free. So if anybody's doing gymnastics down the center aisle, I won't be distracted. So I got seven kids, I, nothing will throw me off, so. So I got that going for me, which is nice. Anyways, um, I was born, my name's Tony Frasco, born in Springfield, Illinois, the land of Lincoln, and uh, grew up in Colorado, and uh, it was an awesome state back in the day. <laughs> Beautiful place to visit, uh, anyways, and uh, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school. My parents divorced when I was seven years old and uh, played high school football. We, were, we had the Colorado longest losing streak in football. <laughs> Man. You are one pathetic loser. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> no, none taken. My junior year, we won the first game. We almost tipped the bus over. My coach was so pumped. Buckle up, baby. Are you kidding me? And we won three games the last, my last year. So I went to Sterling College in Sterling, Kansas. I was one of five Catholics. So this Catholic schoolboy was challenged in his faith and everything, you worship Mary, the Pope is the Antichrist, I heard it all, breaking into my room, all kinds of stuff. And so those lovely Protestant Christians, Baptists, Presbyterians, Evangelicals, made me into a Catholic teacher. Because <laughs> I was challenged in the faith and question after question, I didn't know the answer, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I went to my dorm room one night and said, if I'm supposed to be a Baptist, Lord, 
make it happen. I guess I'm supposed to be. Just give me a sign. kind of sign and I prayed and over the summer I, I went to this conference I'm like I'm gonna do something super Catholic so I'm gonna go to a conference like wow that's what great Catholics do yeah and I went and they had this uh, this brochure for totus tuis have you heard of this program I hope it is all over the diocese um, eventually in the next few years but I signed up for totus tuis I dedicated a summer to do that and I did that for four summers and fell in love with the faith I fell in love with the Eucharist and Our Lady um, and just uh, went back to campus and I was like, these people got to know the truth of the Catholic faith. But most importantly, my mission, I felt like, was to help them understand what Catholics actually believe and not what they've been told that we believe. So anyways, from there, I went to the seminary in the Archdiocese of Denver for two and a half years. And I basically, I would say my seminary years made me battle ready. Um, it helped heal me from the past of my parents' divorce and got me ready to go out into the world and to spread the gospel. Met my wife teaching totus to us. We were on the same team. We actually didn't talk very much the whole summer because my other teammates were fighting the whole time. So I was helping them the whole summer. And that last week they stopped fighting. They said, whatever, you know, we're done for the summer. And I said, hey, hey, Liza, how are you? How you doing? And we became great friends, spiritual friends. She was pursuing the convent and about to join one. And I was you know, into the going into the seminary and said, you know what, uh, whatever God wants. And then, of course, the guy usually is one of the first ones that wants to. <laughs> she was a little slower. I was like, hey, so what, are you really called to be a sister? And that was my way of saying, hey. <laughs> What'd you do? So uh, seven kids later and 16 years of marriage, I taught theology for 11 years. I was a pilgrimage coordinator uh, for seven years, helping people go all, all over the world doing um, Catholic sites, Holy Land, Italy, Mexico, all over the place. And now I'm one month unemployed. Say what? <laughs> so pray for me and I have all different directions of God and I'm applying everywhere. So really and truly, if you can keep me in your prayers or what? I'm supposed to do for my wife and my seven kids <laughs> and take care of them. So, um, but three things I want to share with you. Have you ever given a testimony? Do you know what a testimony is? You can talk back or you can just shake your head. So, you know, it's like, like at churches, you know. Okay, so here's my little testimony. Go. So, and you can time me if you want to anyways. Um, so when I was in middle school, I was into the girls, I was into video games, sports, food. I was a big kid, I liked to eat. Lay off me, I'm starving! <laughs> and, uh, and they had something called, and I'm sure you've heard of it, World Youth Day. And in 1993, St. John Paul II came to Denver, Colorado, World Youth Day. Anybody go? Anybody was there? Excellent. <clears throat> and there, I would say, in the crowd of chanting, John Paul II, we love you. And Mile High Stadium and Cherry Creek Reservoir, something touched that middle school boy heart of mine that said, hmm, interesting. The seed was planted in middle school. In high school, I was invited to go on a mission trip to South Dakota. I thought church was for nerds and going to youth group was only something you were forced to do for confirmation. So I'm in a van with 50 other people, and we're heading to South Dakota. I don't say a word the whole trip. 
like 12, 15 hour drive. Don't say anything, except for where's the bathroom, you know, something like that. Somebody came up to me and asked me, would you like to sing songs in front of 500 people about Jesus? No, no, mm -mm. Mm -mm. no, 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 no. Everything in this football player, macho, thinking I'm better than everybody else in those vans said no. But because I was confirmed, the Holy Spirit had me say yes. I was up there, I was singing songs in front of 500 people, and I would say that day I gave my life to Christ. So the seed was planted in middle school. I gave my life to Christ in high school, and then in college, I told you a little bit earlier, totus tuus. And I was there with 50 teachers, college students on fire for the Catholic faith. I don't even know why they hired me and my buddy from Denver. Like, I guess they just needed a couple more guys because we had no idea about the faith. Yes, we went to Catholic school. That was it. We go into this like room that was like underground and it was all dark. And there was the monstrance there with Jesus in the Eucharist. I can honestly say Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, I had never been exposed to adoration. What? And, so don't assume anything with your parishioners, and no one ever said Jesus was present in the Eucharist to me. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Don't assume the parishioners in the pews know that that who's in the tabernacle is the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. So I'm there, and everybody's like, adoring the Lord and looking, their eyes are closed and they're all into it. I'm just like, what's going on? Like, why are these people like totally into this stuff? Isn't that just a piece of bread? Literally, that's what I'm thinking. And that day I gave my life to Jesus in the Eucharist. And I looked at him and I said, wow, you're real. And a transformation started that summer through that Totus Tuus program and started going to confession every week or two, uh, started receiving the Eucharist more often. I made a, a vow that day when I was 20 years old that I would pray the rosary every day until the day I died. I missed one time, made up for the next day to two rosaries, and it was the worst day of my life. And so I've been praying the rosary ever since. That day, totus tuus, I came to love my Catholic faith. Okay, pause. I don't know if you were timing that. But that's my short testimony, okay? Five, seven minutes? I'm just guessing. I have no idea. Um, but... Seed was planted, came to love Jesus Christ, and came to love the Catholic faith. Do your parishioners know that about you? Sorry. Wait, wait, uh, I, I live this way. And deacon wives as well. Do they know that about you? If I had to take a survey, I would say that 95% of clergy, just guessing, could be wrong. If you're like, no, boo, just like, if I'm totally wrong, let me know, because I really do want your feedback. I would say 95% of clergy have not shared their story. Who you are, people know you decently. Do they know where you came from when you met Christ and came in love with the church? And they may have heard the story about you becoming a deacon. But that middle stuff is the most important stuff of making disciples. We're in the business of helping people to become disciples. Amen. And so that's why we're here. So again, please share your testimony. If you're on this weekend for a homily, I can't make you, but share about you. 
the more you invest your heart, the more the parish is going to invest their heart into, hopefully, God willing, the sacred heart <laughs> and, and the immaculate heart. So, and, and wives, if your husbands don't want to do it, give them a little push <laughs> to, to share their hearts with others because we, we need to hear it. You know, I sit in the pews and I'm like, I don't know anything about this person. And it's great what they're saying, but if I know them and I know their background and where they've come from as far as their faith, then I'm more into it. So please, please share that. So share your testimony. And then before I begin uh, into our official talk, I want to say thank you, 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 thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm trying to make eye contact with everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if I missed anybody, thank you. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but because I don't think that you get that very often. Or here's the priest and here is you as a deacon and everybody says, hello, Father, how are you? And you might get missed. Do you get missed every once in a while? For those times that you're missed, that you don't get credit, that, and truly you are a servant and you are supposed to be the one that's in the background and ladies, oh my goodness, deacons, wives, like even more so thank you <laughs> because you're not even like up there for people to give you their credit. I think we as a church need to do a better job in saying thank you, being encouraging, being happy, being hospitable. That's the fact, Jack! That's the fact, Jack! I went to a Pentecostal service one time. I don't know how many times people came up to me, wanted to know my name, said, thank you for coming. Do you want to get involved? It's great to see you. Um, you know, like, uh, do you want to get involved? I mean, inviting and thanking. So if you don't get anything out tonight, know that I am so grateful and the church is so grateful for your ministry. Thank you. Really. Like, it's amazing that your yes of to your spouse, your yes to Jesus, your yes of becoming a deacon. It's a continued yes. Amen. Every day, right? You got to get up each morning and I'm going to give my life to God. I'm giving my life to my spouse. I'm giving my life to the church. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. So awesome. I lived in Kansas for 11 years in Colorado for 15. Colorado had deacons. And the Wichita Diocese in Kansas, amazing diocese, by the way, very rare that there is a deacon around. They have an abundance of vocations to the priesthood. So perhaps they don't necessarily need deacons. I don't agree with that, but maybe that's their way of thinking. But I think that you are, and the future deacons of our diocese, is one of the top three things the Holy Spirit is doing in our diocese. Are you sure? I'm positive. And I'm not just saying that to overstate it. Like, I'm thinking of all the things super awesome going on in our diocese. I would say you're a part of it. Keep it going and let's have huge deacon classes from here on out. And if there's only one guy, it doesn't matter. It's quality. We need quality. That's for sure. Um, but it's important that we see the Holy Spirit is doing amazing things in this diocese with the diaconate. And you're a part of it. So that's, that's exciting. So I have 25 things I want to tell you. I probably have already told you 25 things, but I have 25 things listed here. So as a pilgrimage coordinator and, uh, for seven years and teaching theology for 11 years um, and being a social media specialist 
in that whole time and doing Rome Boys, I'm not busy. <laughs> and that's not even talking about my family. Um, I have been able to meet thousands of priests and deacons and lay people individually, in person, or through social media and have conversations both ways, okay? So I asked the question on Facebook. You can find Tony Frasco on Facebook and you can see all the comments. And I asked, what would you want to say to deacons? What advice would you want to give them? It is so, you should just look at it, check it out, okay? If you're not on Facebook, find somebody that is, type in Tony Frasco, go to that post. And I'm going to share, I wrote this talk and then I asked that question. So two-thirds of this is what I'm thinking, and one-third of it is what other people are thinking. So really interesting stuff of people from all over the United States and their thoughts. Deacons chiming in, priests chiming in, Carl Keating of Catholic Answers chimed in. So anyways, I got a whole spectrum of people. Number one, the homily. Would you agree the homily is the greatest, not necessarily the greatest thing you're doing, some people might say that, but the greatest way to reach the greatest number of people in your parish, the largest number of people in your parish, at least in one encounter, perhaps not. But what I want to say as a lay person, here's what I want to say. Share stories, please. Share about your life and your wisdom. Perhaps you might have more wisdom than the priest of the parish. First of all, they may be half your age <laughs> and you've been around and you know a lot of things and you have experiences that they don't have and you have that blessing. And so as I get older and my hair falls out more and more, I realize that the older people they are, the more they have to offer to tell us so that the younger people don't make the same mistakes. So share stories from your marriage, from raising kids, from your time in college or whatever it is, relate to us, please. And when you do, we're like, we're like leaning in and listening. So share stories, share your life experiences. Try not to read your homily if you can, okay? Just, I'd rather you share one story and sit down and have a two-minute homily than a 10-minute one where I just can't see your heart and your soul into it. Be practical and relatable because we just need something to chew on for the next week. And so nothing too heady. You can challenge us, that's great but something to where we can like, okay, I can go do that right now when I leave. So practical and relatable. Try to bring in current events because we're all looking at the news and try to be positive with that because the news isn't. <laughs> and teach, inspire, send us into action. And ultimately, I hope you have a mission statement for your homilies as a whole. What are you going for? I would think to help people to love Christ and his church. So before you even speak, and as you're preparing, how does that fit into your personal mission? Um, and then try to always keep that, always that mission in, in, in your thinking of that as you prepare. Two, baptisms. I would say that's probably a very important part of your ministry, right? Um, show the importance of parents, how they are the future of the church. And this child is a blessing from Almighty God, but it's important that the men and the fathers are going to pass on the faith to their kids. You know the statistics, right? When a father is in love with the faith and is going to church, the chances of that child staying Catholic and faithful is astronomically higher than when he's not. So I know a priest, we interviewed him on Rome Boys, um, and he said, 
he just basically talks to the father the entire baptism. <laughs> He's like, it's on you, you know, and you're the father. You bring your kids to church and you sing and, and he just like hammers it. But you can kind of see why, you know, if we have an awesome father from the start all the way throughout life, will he make mistakes? Yes. But if that man is, is involved in the faith, especially the dad, and then get the godparents involved. It's not a ceremonial thing. Hi, we took pictures. See you at your wedding. You know, you know, like we'll see him later on. No, no, like the godparents are there. Show the importance of them to be there to keep the faith going and checking in on them every once in a while. If the parents are solid, the godparents have an easier job. <laughs> but if that doesn't work out. So anyways, a little bit of advice there with baptism. Marriages. How many of you have blessed marriages? Okay. How many, how many have you done? How many? Tell us, Deacon John. Two? Deacon Steve, how many? Ish? Okay, okay. Four or five. Four or five, something like that, great. <clears throat> ah, that should count for more. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, excellent. That's, that's great, yeah. But, you know, Fulton Sheen wrote a book years ago, It Takes Three to Get Married. It's got to be important to that couple from the, the foundation has to be set. I mean, our church is moving in that direction now. You probably have heard that a year of formation for an engaged in couple. Do you think that's a good idea? I certainly do. <laughs> the longer they can prepare to get themselves on the right track. Um, but they know, you know, 99% of marriages last if a couple prays together, eats together every day, and is open to life open to life one makes the go up from 60, 65% to 99%. As deacons, you have to preach from the pulpit that the openness of life and the talk on contraception, all those kinds of things. Some might say that's not the appropriate time. Well, when is it? You know, our couples need to know that to be open to life is the, the success of a marriage is going to be amazing. And raising Catholic kids and raising them in the faith is super important. So praying together, we emphasize that well. Eating together, communication, that's good. But that open to life, we kind of breeze over that one. Maybe Father will get to it. <laughs> Maybe the CCD teachers will get to it. I mean, somebody will get to it. We as men okay, need to step up and make sure that they know about that. Number four, the Eucharist. Now, your actions say so much. And especially, in particular, the deacons, because fathers say, the priests say a lot more most of the time than a deacon does at most masses. So reverence and bowing and your actions towards the Eucharist. If 30% of Catholics believe in the real presence of the Eucharist, that should be a personal mission of the entire parish. <laughs> To get people to truly believe. So your reverend bow and the way you hold your hands and your, as you genuflect towards the tabernacle, that shows us, hmm, because my brain set <laughs> in grade school and high school, if I saw somebody reverently bow, I'd be like, well, that person must think something special going on in there. You know, but I did, you know, and I think a lot of people are there. They just don't know. They just, it's kind of part of the motions. They did it. That was an exciting day for their first communion. And other than that, we're just going up there because everybody else is going up there. So the Eucharist reverence. Daily Mass. I want to encourage you to go as much as you can. And adoration. And if your parish doesn't have adoration, it'd be great if you were a leader in getting it started. 
If it's once a month, how about once a week? If it's once a week, let's get it to be perpetual. I mentioned the Diocese of Wichita earlier. They have the most adoration chapels per capita of anywhere in the United States. They have the most men studying for the priesthood and the most priests of any diocese in the United States. Coincidence? No. <laughs> if we're on our knees before our Lord, great things will happen. And so let's get more adoration chapels in our diocese. Now, and let me just pause here. I'm on number four, and I've told you a lot of things. You can't do it all. You can only do as much as you possibly can do. <laughs> and, um, and, but Deacon Allen shows a great example of this. Find other people that do. <laughs> Ask others, because you know a lot of people in your parish and try to get every parishioner involved by like, okay, you take care of youth group and you will be a great CCD teacher and you'll be a great lector. You're the, the middle persons, you know, the, the bridge between the priest and the laity. Now, I think it'd be even awesome if you like tonight, you know, you're up there at the altar, but you're also there by your wife in the pews and people see that like, oh, they're normal. <laughs> Not really. You are normal. But, but you're like with us. Like, whoa. Like you're up at the altar. Wow, they're, they're on their altar. No, he's with, they're with their wife, you know, with their spouse. Like they're like us. We need to see you in adoration. We need to see you at daily mass. We need to see you with your spouse there in the pews. And that just makes us more and more comfortable to go up to you when things are tough. When we need, okay, can you pray for me, deacon? Like I'm really struggling in this. So when we see you, that's, that's an amazing thing. So anyways, so of all the things I'm saying tonight, a little caveat there, um, you don't have to do all these things, but try your best to take one or two and chew on it for a while. Number five, be available to talk, be approachable, because priests have so little time. When I was doing pilgrimage stuff, I knew priests that have five to six parishes. And then sometimes they're calling them, you know, basically sacramental. What's the right word? You might know it sacramental ministers. Yeah. They come in, they do the sacraments, they move out. Wow. How can they form relationships? How can they encourage boys to think about the priesthood when they're just moving from place to place to place? So be approachable. And because priests have so little time, hopefully you could be the segue to those boys that are thinking about vocations, to those youth that are struggling with depression or suicidal thoughts because they Fathers just can't do it all. So you're the right-hand person right there with him to help him and be looking for that. And maybe even check in with Father. You're like, okay, you did all these things. Is there certain people I could reach out to this week that you know the Holy Spirit's on your heart, but you just can't get there? You can't do it. Ask him every once in a while to, to get involved that way. Number six, the church needs to be more grateful and appreciative of deacons. That's what I kind of started off with today, saying thank you. But remember... And I think I've heard this several times in deacon uh, happenings, and I like this line here. Your priority is your marriage, your spouse, and your family. I think this diocese does a decent job with that. At least that's an outsider perspective. I can be completely wrong. We want to make sure that you know that, that God's first, <laughs> your family's next, and then diaconate is a part of that. And I hope that the pastor appreciates you. And he realizes those priorities and doesn't just say, okay, you're in charge of these 15 ministries. <laughs> you politely look at him and say, thank you so much for the honor, Father, but I can't. You know, I only can do X, Y, and Z. So please don't <laughs> burn me out after the first few two weeks. You know? um, so yeah, the church needs to be grateful for you. Number seven, 
How many of you have read the entire Bible? How many of you have read the catechism? Cover to cover, the whole thing. Okay, there's your challenge. <laughs> One, Carl Keating, owner of Catholic Answers, said in his experience of deacons across the world, deacons are not formed in intellectual, the intellectual side uh, enough before we put them into ministry. Do you agree? I don't know. You can disagree. People did on my Facebook post. So, okay. Um, but if the Bible, sacred scripture, which we, you kiss as, you know, before, you know, a homily, and um, sacred scripture and the catechism, which is the teaching of the church, these are the most fundamental, everything's in there. So canon law or St. Thomas Aquinas' Summa Theologica, like same books, those are all good. But the foundation is the Bible and the catechism. So if I was in charge of deacon formation, I would say we have to, this is the first thing. Like, this is the center of what we believe as Catholics. So get, start today. And you've read a lot of the Bible, I'm sure, or you've heard it all, <laughs> but maybe you haven't been able to hit all of it. You don't have to go in order. You can do Jeff Cavins, uh, you know, Bible Timeline. That's a great one I recommend. Uh, Tim, Tim Gray, other people like that, they do great things. So, but read it cover to cover and keep learning. And you're like, Tony, how, when am I going to have time to do all this? You know, I get it. I'm busy too. I get it. So, but try your best. Even if it's a minute, you read one paragraph out of the catechism. Add that to your, um, after your liturgy of the hours. And you learn something and highlight it. And by the time you're 80 years old, you might get done. Because <laughs> it's going to take a while. But anyways, at least you're chipping away at it. Number eight, a priest and a deacon need to communicate regularly with each other, their personal mission with one another. Because father might see one thing and you might see another. And so how can we see what father wants for you to do and what he wants for this parish? But he might stay for a little while, maybe a long while, but he's going to go and you might be there for a lot longer. So what's the mission of the parish? How does that jive with Father? And how does that jive with you? And then work together as a team and try your best to find commonalities there. Number nine. Ooh, this is a big one. You're going to always hear from me if you have me come and talk. <laughs> Adult faith formation and evangelization. Among parishes across the world, less than 5% focus any type of ministry, budget, speakers into... For adults, continued education and evangelization. I mean, evangelization is why we exist as a Catholic church, but we spend so little time on and focus on that. We focus on catechesis. We do a decent job on that, CCD and PSR. But um, if a person is not evangelized, what's the point of catechizing? <laughs> catechesis comes after someone has a relationship with Jesus and loves this church. And then they're like, give it to me. I love the faith. I want to learn more. That's when I come in. But, because I love teaching. But what's the point of teaching somebody who doesn't even care? You know? So we got to get them to care. We got to get them to that relationship, which is so difficult. But if we can get our parishes to be focused on adult formation, evangelization ideas, whew, if things would be rocking. Number 10, get Catholics out of the pews and into the world. We do really good at trying to encourage people to join extraordinary ministers and lecture and join the choir. And those are all things that need to be done at the parish. But what are we doing out there in this crazy world? 
And have we reached out to people and invited them to church? And what about all the people that left during COVID? And what about all the people that have fallen away? And what about weddings and funerals? And those people used to be Catholic, but they're not going anymore. We have to have something. We got to do something. <laughs> Action. You know, give them a book. Invite them. Give them a pamphlet. Give them a donut. I don't know. But we got to do something <laughs> in order to uh, show that we are a church moving. Jesus and the apostles were always moving and on mission. And for the longest time, it's a great book, From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. I highly recommend you read this book. If you haven't heard about that, check it out. Because we are no longer in Christendom. We are no longer like everybody's Catholic and they go to church and it's part of the culture. Not so much. If you haven't noticed, it's pretty hostile out there. Churches are getting destroyed. Uh, yesterday, one was just completely burned down because it was Catholic. They didn't even say anything pro-life necessarily, but somebody wanted to burn it down. We're on mission, which is exciting. <laughs> and also at the same time, it's, uh, you know, we, we don't know what the future holds. But if you're on mission and you're living the mission by your words and actions, then the people will follow right behind you. So be a, a person of mission. Number 11, I think I mentioned this earlier, find new blood by inviting those you form relationships to get involved. Again, the Wichita Diocese, I lived it, I saw it. Every parishioner was involved in two to three ministries max. It was awesome because in most dioceses in the world, there's about 5% of the parish does 90, 95, 100% of everything going on. So when we got there, like, what would you like to do? Okay, we did maintenance, we did hospitality, so we put out donuts, <laughs> and then we did faith formation. We did three. And it wasn't like we were even in charge, like we were just involved because we were new in the parish. So uh, maintenance, you take out the trash once a month. Okay, I can do that. You know? you know, it was simple things, but everybody did two to three things. If you switch the priest out every week, a new priest every week, the system would still flow because it was the people taking care of the parish and the priest would come in and do his thing. And yes, he had different, you know, charisms and different ideas and everything else, but the church just kept rolling and functioning and the Catholic school just kept rolling and functioning the same way. So I don't know how to get to that point, <laughs> but forget everyone, you know, let's say, you know, a guy and he's in the parish. Would you like to mow the grass for our parish? You know, invite him. He might say no, ask somebody else. But what are the needs of our parish? And how can we get everybody to do one or two things? In these smaller parishes, one or two is good. You know, in the bigger parishes, you know, maybe two or three. But everybody involved in doing something. Number 12, don't be so busy like our priests that you can't form relationships. So again, we, I'm not picking on the priests. I thank God every day for our priests. <laughs> And I don't know how Bishop Sis is doing it with a limited amount. And like they, you know, in our parish, the cluster, he has three parishes. I thank God for our priest. And we have to support them. We have to encourage them. But they don't have very much time. And, you know, and I know that you're busy as well. But don't be so busy that you go for the quantity, but not the quality. It's better, I think, that you do two things too and do them really well. You know, let's like say it's RCIA and you're a CCD teacher. Great. Nothing else. Yes, you're a deacon, so you're going to do homilies and those responsibilities, but nothing else. Say no. 
and then invite others to do those other things. Because in this parish, they're asking us to do 10 different things. And I'm like, no, I got to say no. Like other people need to be involved and, uh, and for, their, for their own sake and their own soul and uh, helping our parish. Number 13, be inviting, hospitable. And the key word here is joy. Smile as much as you possibly can. So your cheeks and your face muscles hurt after on Sunday evening. You have smiled so much, maybe you didn't want to. Oh, my back hurts, I mean, whatever it is. But your smile them. Kill them with kindness. We need to see your smile. If, if, if people are grouchy at the altar, we're going to be grouchy. <laughs> if you're singing, we'll hopefully be singing. Um, so try your best to always be happy and smile. And number 14, have a sense of humor. Make us laugh. We enjoy laughing. And of course, there's times to be serious and there's homilies that you don't have to do a joke. That's fine. I'm not telling you you have to. But um, if you mess up, laugh at yourself. It's okay. Yeah. Because that makes you, oh my, they're real. They're not on a pedestal. They're like me. I make mistakes all the time. Cool. You know, and I'm going to relate to them and I'm going to go up to them and talk to them because yeah, they, they have a sense of humor. 15, be bold. Go on the offense. Well, I would say at least for the last 75 years, we've been on defense. No more defense, offense. We have to be assertive and aggressive. Look at the Rome Boys post on Monday for further details <laughs> that we did on our social media. It was, off, it was offensive. And people, some people complained, but 99% of people said positive things. So we have to do that. And when you're offensive and when men are offense then the rest of the parish should say, all right, I'm willing to go at all lengths for my church because they are my leaders and I'm following them. 16, be real. Talk about relatable things. Talk about, okay, our budget is nothing. We're in debt by $100,000. Help us out. I'd rather know that than everything closes down and it's too late. I know parishes have done that. I know Catholic schools that have done that. We're closing the school next year why didn't you tell me? Like, I would have tried to help and I would have told other people to help. So be real. Things are going great. We have extra money in the account. What should we do with it to make disciples? How can we help save souls in our neighborhoods? You know, what can we do to, to change the world? 17, be solidly orthodox. So if you are pro-abortion, I don't know how the bishop's allowing you to serve, okay? If you're pro-same-sex marriage, I'm sorry. I don't think you should be giving the homilies, okay? Orthodox, solid catechesis and teaching with fire and stories, and your parish is going to light, be lit up on fire, okay? And, and that's what I long for as a layperson, and I think everybody in the pews does too. Tell us. Tell us about your marriage and the times that it went well and when it's not going well. And I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm not the only one with marital struggles, you know, and that, that is real. So be orthodox. 18, encourage and be positive. There's so much negative stuff out there. There's so much negative about the church. There's people that have struggles with Pope Francis right now. People have struggles with Bishop Sis during COVID and all the problems. I mean, any decision he could have made would have been wrong by a certain section of the church, right? You know, somebody's going to be mad at anything he ever does. Be positive. Smile again. Don't forget that one. And, but be real and do your best to, um, you know, stand for the church and what she teaches. 19. 
don't put yourself on a pedestal. Now I saw that one. I didn't necessarily write that one. Um, somebody on Facebook over and over again, they thought that deacons think they're better than the laity. I don't get that. I never noticed that. But people said that. Um, so you're one of us. <laughs> you're human. You're a sinner, right? You got to go to confession, correct? <laughs> um, so maybe emphasize that. When we were interviewing Verone Boys, Bishop Strickland, I never heard somebody say, I am a sinner, I make mistakes, I am fallen. He almost said that before every single answer he ever gave. Remind us that you are a work in progress, <laughs> that you're striving to be a saint, you're under construction, <laughs> aren't we all? We're all striving to be a saint and we got a ways to go. Maybe people in this room are already saints. You're levitating, you're bilocating. I don't know. I know I'm not, okay? But uh, help us to know that you need to go to confession. Honestly, it'd be great to see you in the lines of confession. I don't really see very many priests and deacons going to confession. I know you do, but by me seeing it, wow, they go to confession too. It's like the, the old, uh, how it used to be like, nuns really do have legs, you know, because they, they used to wear, you know, the, the habit or whatever else. Like, wow, they have feet. Yes, of course they do. Like, you know, but we just think like, like, like children, basically, <laughs> and you'll be able to understand where a lot of the laity are coming from. But um, so good. Where did I leave off? Okay, good. Number 20, access your parish's strengths and weaknesses. What's your parish good at? What's your parish struggling? And then I'm like all about surveys. So like ask people, take a microphone. Like <laughs> what's so good about our parish and what's not? And really get a feel for what it is. And those weaknesses, maybe you can fill in the gaps. Or again, I don't want to put too much on your plate. Find people that can fill those gaps. Those people that have the time, they have the gifts, they have the talents to do those things. But what is your parish doing well? And what is it weaken? 21, a balance between ministry and your priorities and your obligations. I bet you that's a constant thing for you, finding the balance. Find the balance of family life and spiritual life and find the balance of diaconate and your parish and just wanting to veg and be at home and just take a nap, you know? And uh, it's a, probably a constant thing, I would imagine. So, but always err on the side of, you know, prayer is number one. And then in your prayer, hopefully you can discern, okay, yes, I need to go back to the parish for the Knights of Columbus meeting, or do I really have to, and should I? Because <laughs> I really need an hour to myself so I can rejuvenate, so I can be good for the weekend. So it's okay to say no <laughs> um, in order to be able to take care of yourself. Number 22, how many of you would say you have a, a decent prayer life? Don't be too hard on yourself. A decent prayer life. It's good. Yeah, you're typical Catholics that are humble. <laughs> you have a terrible prayer life. Raise your hand. See, you're more likely to do that. I bet you it's a lie. It's not true. <laughs> you have a prayer life, okay? What a lot of people said on Facebook in this response said, every deacon should have an hour minimum, and the wife as well here, of prayer each day. And I want you to move away from just vocal prayers because the Liturgy of the Hours is good and the Rosary is good and the Mass is good. But you can also go through the motions and not really have a conversation with Christ and go the whole day, week, month, year, decade without even talking to Jesus. I'm talking to myself here too, okay? I am no better, okay? So the Catechism mentions the three forms of prayer, vocal prayer, meditation, and contemplation. 
You know the different forms of prayer of adoration, petition, thanksgiving, praise. You know these. How are you doing on a personal level? And the ones that you're good at, push that aside and do something new. How many of you sit in the same pew every Sunday when you don't preach? Because you should be always moving. Change things up. Literally the hours you're supposed to do. I get it. Mass, I know. We're supposed to do that. But change things up. Sit in new spots. Pray a different way. Pray with your spouse. Then tomorrow do it silent. Then climb in a tree. Do something different. You know, to get yourself to be able to keep that faith alive, that relationship alive. So if your relationship is weak right now, there's only so much you can pass on to the people. And if it's strong, we're going to get that. So, the strong, so like I said, maybe, maybe you're only supposed to do one ministry. And, you're only, and maybe your priest says you preach once a month and you're on for once a month and you're one ministry. Do that ministry the best you can. Give it everything you got. And invest your time and your, everything into it. That's fine. <laughs> because if that's how you thrive and, and you're not just you're surviving, but you're thriving in that, Beautiful. That is amazing. Keep it up. Um, and then hopefully, and then a, a lot of people said, do deacons go to holy hours? Do they go to daily mass? Well, some of you are working. I get it. There's, maybe there's no possible times. So you're too busy. I get it. But people don't see you there. And I, may, and I say you, I'm saying like all the deacons that these people have seen. Okay. So it actions. We love to see you at those events. Maybe you're all there. I don't know. Number 23. I said this earlier, the balance between the altar and in the pews with your wife. So definitely do both. Be at the altar in the weeks you're not. Be in the pews. 24, frequent confession. The lines to confession are short and the lines for communion are long. And priests are sitting in the box and no one's coming. So that could be your personal mission for the next decade. Getting one and two, one, one person a month, invite them to, when's the last time you went to confession? I know a lot of people, they're decent Catholics. They're just in the motions of, I go at Easter, I go at Lent, you know, at Lent, or, yeah, Lent and, and Advent. Why can't you go once a month? I guess I could, <laughs> but no one ever asked them before. So talk about your own personal stories. I, I know for me, when I started going every two weeks, I look back at the old Tony and I'm like, wow, I do not want to be that guy. <laughs> but every two weeks is just enough grace to keep me going. My kids will make me go if it's beyond two weeks because they start to see the old Tony. But the grace that comes from the sacrament of confession helps us to be the best version of ourselves. So if we want people to go to confession, we ourselves have to show that. And then 25, no, there's no particular order here, by the way. Have thick skin. There are people that will say things about you they shouldn't say, or they're mean, or they're griping about the priest, okay? Um, and you have to realize the different generations. You know, certain generations want it a certain way. Some people want lots of change. One, some people don't want it to ever change. It will always be this. You know these people, right? You're smiling at them as you think of them in your thoughts right now. Don't think anything bad, okay? You're smiling really big at them, okay? But change is good. Again, we have to go back to Jesus. He was constantly seeking the conversion of souls. The tax collector, the woman caught in adultery, pick your story. He wanted everyone to come to him and have a radical conversion. Don't all of us need an ongoing conversion? 
There's moments in our life that we break down, we're on our knees and we're crying and those are good and those are amazing. But there's a daily getting rid of self, getting rid of the flesh and taking on the spirit and becoming the man or woman of God that Jesus wants us to be. A constant conversion. It's, it's difficult. So long story short, my prayer for you is that you, like the Rome boys motto, to be bold, to be real, and to be Catholic. People are not going to remember every single word you say in a homily, but they're going to remember if you're smiling, um, if you love the faith and you lived it, and uh, they're going to come up to you if you are. And uh, again, I want to say thank you to all of you and for what you've done and what you will do for our diocese. I don't know if you know this, I mean, coming from... Kansas and from Colorado, this is a missionary diocese. It is struggling. It, uh, it's dry. It's literally dry, like the land and the faith. But with the diaconate here and other things like Catholic Radio, our bishop, all these great things are happening. There's still life in there. As a joke, you know, like a lot of people in Rowena like to drink beer. That's why it's so dry. They got to keep staying, you know, keep some, you know, not so thirsty by drinking uh, in moderation, right? But it, it's, we have to try our best to keep that fire going. So again, thank you for your ministry. If I haven't said that enough, at least I got that through to, your, through to you. And let's end with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, God, for the blessing all the many blessings you've given us. Let's take a few moments and even think of those right now, that how God has blessed us this even this very day. Think of those now, quietly. Help us to lift each other up in prayer all the days of our lives. Help us to all be in heaven someday together. Help us to do the best we can to be the best version of ourselves. And again, thank you, good Lord, and bless all the deacons and their wives in this room and uh, have a special place for them in eternal heaven um, for all the good they have done and will do for our church. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end, amen. And we'll give you praise, Lord God. And we come to your, your mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Comments, questions, questions. not so much necessarily questions, but... I've never talked to deacons before, so I'm a complete rookie. So advice, questions, comments, go. Things that you say I'm wrong, I'm right? Show my ignorance. Tell me about the wrong Okay, so um, three guys, Joe the farmer, Chris the entrepreneur, and I'm Tony the teacher. Uh, two years ago, we started it. It's a podcast. We have a YouTube channel, and we've interviewed all kinds of crazy people. Uh, we had Scott Hahn on one time, and we're like, okay, this is a little bit bigger than we actually thought. <laughs> And we were just three dads. You know, I have seven kids. Chris has six daughters. Joe has five kids. Three dads getting, getting together to be able to share the faith and, um, and doing it with a little bit of humor. Joe usually provides the humor and comic relief. And, and uh, Chris is the brains, and I'm the random dude that says practical things and stuff like that. Um, but 
we have that. Then we moved into the phase of we're on social media and promoting via social media, uh, Catholic, solid Catholic content. Again, sense of humor and real things and fun things. And then we're putting up billboards. You might have seen the two in uh, San Angelo. We're in Fresno, California. They want one. Uh, Miles, Texas, right down the road here. You may have drove, driven past it. We're going to hopefully put that one up there. It's a challenge to be able to do that. And uh, what else? Talks, uh, publications, maybe a book someday. Maybe the Rome boys will go to Rome someday. So we think big. And God has done big things in the last two years since March of 2020 when we started it. And I don't know the tech stuff, but Joe does. And Chris got us to be a nonprofit organization. So I'm like, I have no clue about that. And putting three people with completely different gifts. The only thing we have in common is we're guys and we're Catholic and we're dads. Other than that, we're completely different. But we complement one another and provide different perspectives. So Joe's a revert, Chris is a convert, and I'm a cradle Catholic. It's like just three random people talking about the faith. So, yeah. So does that make sense? Yeah. Sounds good. You might add in future. Uh, Please, yes. When you teach uh, RCA, mm -hmm. always ask three questions. Mm. Uh, here's, here's what you already knew. Yes. It says what you learned about from the talk. Right. And how you can put that into daily Okay, perfect. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. Anybody else? You probably just want to get moving out of here because it's late. <laughs> I know I'm tired, so. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much. And take a seat. Yeah, I was just going to say, uh, you know, you were talking about um, how we need to uh, catechize him much more. And it's funny you said it because yesterday, true son is a father. And uh, we've been doing RCIA too. And uh, uh, we've been really studying an organization called Team RCIA. Okay. And one of the things that they've really been stressing to us is how we have the parish has to have a catechumenal culture. Yes. And the biggest thing is, and basically what you're saying, first of all, what Bishop said at, the, at, at that big mass he had at the cathedral a couple weeks ago, the three things that he had to invite, explain, and reflect. And basically that's what it is, that you yeah. invite people to come in, and then you try to explain to them, and Father's big thing with us, he wants to, you know, to teach all our prisoners to use the catechism. Yes. He says that he thinks that's what he does. Yes. And then, um, then of course, spend time to reflect on it. Mm -hmm. um, so we have, of course, like, as you look, I think you were there for one of our Eucharistic processions mm -hmm. we had there. Mm -hmm. And you talking about doing a bunch of those throughout the year. Why not? So it's a great place. <laughs> of course, we're downtown. Yes. We need to walk downtown. Perfect. Bars and yes. shops and all Bring them Jesus. And his big thing we did it this past Friday, where um, we did a procession, and the idea is people say, what's going on? And say, hey, come join us, bring yes. the mass. Good. And then the mass was phenomenal. Yeah. Best music, best everything, mm. I mean, they just went all out. And it was just, it was awesome. Friday night, the church was almost full. Awesome. You know? Yeah. And you know what, the, the music at that mass was, yes, we had beautiful instrumentation and all that in the choir, but the people saying their hearts. Awesome. I Something's mean, happening. You could, you could then open up the doors. And mm -hmm. We've got windows that are about to shatter. And mm. it, it moved the windows. And, and as far as getting the word out, I don't know about you guys, but I saw it everywhere. Like everybody was invited and that we don't do that very well as a, as a PR, as a salesperson. We're not very good. <laughs> but that event was out and shared all over the place. It was great. Father and the staff are 
are big on social media. Yes. I, I firmly believe that what you guys are doing, the Rome boys are doing, and what they're doing is social media is where it's at right now. Yes. You yeah. Know, you want to communicate, use it. But even the newspapers and bulletins and posters and all the traditional ways and all that, it was uh, there was videos and there was music. I was like, gosh, like this is great. Like I it went from like I might go to like I probably I want to go, you know, kind of thing. So yeah, but the the invite is huge, and I'm right of, of what Father Mitch Pacwa said to us, um, you know, like a few months ago. He was uh, basically saying, "You bring them in, and then I can do what I can do." But without people inviting, you know, I, I'm just going to keep uh, the crowd could be five or it could be five thousand, you know. But it's the people that bring them to into the church. So that personal invite. I have another question. When he was here, I heard you guys took him on a hunting trip. We did. We did. Yes, yes. A lot of fun. He's a big hunter. We're trying to get him in the diocese. We don't know if it'll happen. It's, he probably won't, but he's a big hunter. We're like, okay, maybe you can live like an orphan, and, like, and we can give you a house, and you can hunt whenever you want. So we offered it to him. I'm sure he's got all kinds of offers, but eventually he will retire and not be on EWTN. So you know, if you know of any place, it would be great to have him in our diocese. But... <laughs> Okay. Uh, whenever it was uh, uh, my preach, he would always say, oh, fire. Yes, and, and, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, especially for you new guys, uh, it says studying the knowledge is good, mm. but uh, it's the Holy Spirit mm. who gives the, uh, the love. Look at the Gospels, look at the book of Acts, right? <laughs> it's all about the fire. They didn't have a formal education. <laughs> they went right into it and had the fire. Amen to that. Yes. And I agree with you about personal stories. Mm. Uh, every time I've done personal I mean, do you, do you physically see eyes look up and like, you, I, don't, I don't know. I would just assume. Yeah. One time I know on the Pizza Holy Family, I said I'd share a story when my kids were little. I had a 12-year-old who didn't want to be there. My daughter who... I had, well, she'd always put makeup on my little son who was two years old. <laughs> and then she was a tomboy. I can relate. Sit in the queue. Uh -huh. and, and just shared the story about one day we're sitting there, and all of a sudden my youngest one is sitting there under the ammo looking up at father. <laughs> and my son who didn't Was he being here, good? My older son who kept sitting there didn't want anything to do. I said, you want to go do something? Go get your brother. And he did. Good, there you go. <laughs> and I share that story, and yeah. people still come back and tell me. Of course, it. yes, because you know, it's real. Because they can identify with that. Yes, you yes, know. yes. And that's kind of why I, how I started my testimony. I mentioned things like football and divorce in Colorado and, and all these random things, like putting that together so I can relate to you somehow. There's some type of connection. So hopefully that you can do that with your homily, some buzzwords. And for me, like Denver Broncos fan, anybody? Eh, not so much. <laughs> but at least it's like, you know, it's a try. You know, it's something I like. So. Exactly. You're in Texas. My daughter lives in Denver. Okay, excellent. So, see if it better relates to you with your daughter. Excellent. <laughs>